Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Hello, and thanks for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter, which means if you know anyone looking to hire or be hired in the business of agriculture, send them my way. My email is tim at aggrad.com. Would love to hear from you. This show is a proud part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network, which means if you enjoy agriculturally related content, such as podcasts and vlogs and blogs, head over to farmruralag.com and check that out. Uh, there are some exciting things coming in 2018 from the Farm and Rural Ag Network that I can't quite share yet, but I hope you are following along because uh, some interesting things happening over there. This episode is really special for, for a number of reasons. Number one, because I wanted to bring someone on to show, to tell the story of what it's like to start farming for the first time as a first generation farmer, someone who grew up around agriculture, more hobby agriculture, and, and uh, his father was an agronomist, but someone who, if they're going to make their dream of farming happen, has to make it happen on their own. We have on the show Tommy Bottoms. I, I know him as Tommy Bottoms because him and I have known each other um, uh, from back in the days when everyone called him Tommy. Uh, so for, so to you, Tom Bottoms, uh, he is a farmer in Northern California. They farm about 5,000 acres. He's an employee of the operation with the intent of accumulating his own farm ownership over time. So he took kind of the road less traveled, if you will, went on to get his PhD and uh, considered academia and ended up deciding private industry was the right path for him. And then took another turn and, and went to Swaziland in Africa, which he's going to talk about, all to come back to Northern California and start working in farming with the plans of um, having his own farming operation over time. So for those of you thinking it's impossible to get started in farming with the barriers to entry and the economics and all this stuff, it's, uh, it is. And, and here's an example of somebody doing it. And it's an example of somebody who knows it's tough, but is making things happen through his own uh, hard work. So I really enjoyed this interview. I think you will too. Uh, Tom starts off talking about how he got started in agriculture. Well, well Tim, I, I like many people who might listen to this. I, I grew up kind of raising animals in 4-H and FFA, uh, but we were never solely farmers. Uh, so my parents divorced pretty young, and so my dad worked as an agronomist, and uh, he moved around uh, the, the United States a bit. So he was a an extension agent on the Shoshone Reservation in Wyoming, and then an extension agent in Northwest Missouri, and he ran an ag research station for the university there. And then my my mom lived in California, and we were always surrounded by peaches and almonds, and 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 I got some local jobs working at Christmas tree farms and different things. Just just always enjoying just being outside and 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 being around things. Now I, I was almost doing solely things with animals. And now I don't do hardly anything with animals because crops don't complain when when things go poorly. So I I, 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 I that's kind of why I'm on this side. But and then I guess as I got a little bit older, I, I worked on the in the west side of Fresno's County in, in the Central Valley of California uh, for a large farmer there. And and that was that where is where I began to see the scale 
of, of what agriculture was. And I said, man, I can make a career of this. I don't know what that's going to look like, but, but there's some really interesting stuff. And, and, and this, the problems are not for these podunk farmers and, and flannel shirts, although I do wear flannel shirts every day, but they're, they're for, they're for real people, scientists and, 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 and the financial realm to, and, and we're seeing that now is that, is that very smart people need to solve these problems. And you, you ultimately decided after college then to go ahead and get a PhD to solve some of these problems, kind of in your, your father's footsteps a little bit, sounds like, uh, what, what kind of inspired you to pursue that path and, uh, and how has that kind of affected you? Well, I, I always liked learning and, and at that time, time, I still enjoyed school enough that, that I could continue after my undergrad. Uh, and, and I wasn't totally burned out. To be completely honest, I didn't know exactly where I was going to end up. And so part of the reason why I was staying in school was um, I didn't know really how plants grew per se, you know. And so I, I wanted to know basic science uh, of what's behind what we were doing. Um, and so I actually went into a, a master's program and and then as I was in the master's program, I wanted to do something really practical in grad school. I didn't want to, um, I, I wanted to, do, to work with, with the, in the, within the industry. The master's program was finishing and I'd taken all my classes basically. And then we were just starting to work with, with farmers in an industry. And, and they came to me and they said, would you be interested in doing your PhD? And they said, well, you're almost there anyway. So I said, yeah, well, <laughs> sure. I, uh, I, I guess I'll just continue. And, and, and so there was, we, I got to do, do some really fascinating uh, work with growers on their ranches, um, it, it mainly in the Salinas Valley, so on the Central Coast of California and vegetables. And, uh, that was really rewarding. Uh, and I also realized that there were a lot of a lot more smarter people than than myself in, in, in trying to solve these problems. So you're getting to the end of your Ph.D. program. People are thinking you are committing career suicide by wanting to go into industry. Uh, but yeah. you actually chose not academia and not <laughs> industry, yeah. really either of them. Yeah. Talk about the, kind of where you went from your Ph.D. Yeah. So I my wife and I, we so we got married right right after my undergrad education and and we we decided to go to Swaziland Africa which is just a small country uh, just kind of north of South Africa shares a border of South Africa and Mozambique and it's a small country it's the size of New Jersey million people or so and we had actually both been there before we developed a relationship with the people who um, with some Americans who were over there um, and this was part of a, of a missions church missions uh, group and they um, and they actually um, they, they said they needed uh, someone involved in agriculture, and I didn't have really any interest in, in doing missions. So we went over there for a short, short time individually, um, and then we started thinking about it while we were in grad school. I'd say, hey, this is, this is an option. Let's go over there for, we were going to say, two years. And, and they needed someone to kind of manage and direct a farm and, and, and really grow that operation. My wife's in education. She was involved in the school. So so we went over there pretty much as soon as I finished my PhD. We we went over um, to Swaziland and we were we ended up being there uh, for four years. And out in the middle of uh, what m many people would consider nowhere, uh, it was it was quite an experience. And you stayed for four years, you said? That's correct. Yeah. Wow. And so to talk about your your role out there and um, what what change you saw while you were there. When I showed up on the operation, it was. It, Part of it was I, I I wanted to coming out of research I wanted to see hey can I actually do the most basic farming aspects that I mean I'm so uh, in the kind of in the weeds of, of 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 research and 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 production let's get back to the basics and can I just 
grow a crop or can I finish a product? So when I got over there, it was a, it was a pretty small operation and it wasn't actually making money. It was really struggling. And so what was happening is this farm supported all the income from the farm supported an orphan project. And so um, we grew the operation. For example, we developed a large part operation where we had just two or three sows and we developed it in more than 50 uh, and, and closer I mean, to 100 now. And um, and we developed a processing facility and 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 we did that for broiler chickens as well. And and vegetable production, we were the largest largest into those commodities, almost in the in the in all of Swaziland. We we're direct marketing to grocery stores, so we grew it very fast, uh, very big for that area. Uh, maybe too fast and maybe too big, but um, but but what it did is we got into the finances. My wife and I worked together. And the accounting aspect, I was doing so much human resources um, and just working with people. It was it was it was a fantastic experience, not without challenges <laughs> by any means. So um, I mean, it was it was brutal, uh, really really challenging uh, at times. But but we made significant progress there, and the farm is still going very well. We worked ourselves out of a job. Uh, we wanted other people to take over there. Sure. Uh, so we came back. So, yeah, that's cool. And who, who funded that? So we, uh, raised support while we were over there, um, as missionaries, but we, but the, the project itself is completely self-sustaining now within the farm. So, um, the farm generates a significant amount of income. And so it supports 40 kids, uh, the school, uh, numerous employees, uh, more than 20 employees. Wow. So it, it's, it's, it went from being, a really challenging time to something that that is very that's going very well okay and when you came back from swaziland and we're going to get into the farming stuff here did yeah. you know you were going to come back to the u.s and you were going to somehow get into farming the, the owner of the operation that i'm with now came over and visited us when we were over in swaziland um he was we put him to work for for two weeks but he also uh it was also a bit of a recruiting trip as he says so uh he he came and 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 we, my wife and I knew him for, for some time. And he said that what we were doing in Swaziland would be much more difficult than what we would be doing in the U.S. if we were to farm. Uh, and and that was kind of an eye opener because we we needed some time away from production ag and, and running an operation. It, it was it was very trying um, physically. I mean, farm people in agriculture know this physically, mentally. Um, it was it was really it was really difficult. So the opportunity came up to come back to the, the operation with now at that time. And I turned it down. Um, I, we just, it was just, we just needed some time to, to kind of regroup. And, and, and this individual who I'm with my, my boss now says farming is a calling. And so you, you will always be called back to it if you really want to be in it. And so I thought, well, let's, let's put it to the test. Let's see if I'm, let's see if I'm called back to it. Um, so, so I, I turned down and and I went and worked for a, a really a great company doing ag consulting uh, for a year when I came back to the U.S. and and that was great. Another key thing was I needed I, if if I was going to get into farming full time and and I needed my family fully on board. <laughs> um, my, my wife was fantastic. Um, she's amazingly talented, but but she also wants me there. <laughs> we have we have two small children and and so. Um, I, I was spending, I mean, I was, I was out all the time and, and part of it was we were living on the farm too. So I, I needed some time to say, Hey, this is really what we want to do. How could we structure this? Let's think through this for a year and what could this actually look like? So where it can work 
for our family and for the business uh, before we get back into it or if we get back into it. She knew uh, that I that I always that, I, that this was something I was interested in, but we needed to to kind of think of. Okay, and, to, and, and you know. break that down for us. So the thing that you're interested in is what? What was the offer to you? So the offer was that I mean, as, as you know, I mean, the statistics are 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 out there. Farming farmers, the the average age of farmers is it's like 58 or something in the U.S. and and so it, there's a lot of farmers who don't have. Um, in terms of succession, it's not clearly um, defined. And so outside of throwing up an auction sign, which there's nothing wrong with that, a lot of people do it, um, succession planning is really difficult. And so in this case, this this farmer came to me and said, look, I, I he, he was first generation too, and I'll get into that, is that he was first generation and and and, and there's actually two first generation farmers on um, in the operation I work with now they said we put to, we've been part of structures to develop young farmers and and to uh, have them succeed in operations. Is that something you would be interested in in thinking about or or in kind of walking uh, with us through? So, and and it, and it was um, and so that that's the idea now is that we. Uh, we are, de- we've developed uh, a structure, granted loose and, and developing, continuing developing that, uh, that I could potentially farm on my own, uh, in, in this situation. And I think there's probably a lot of people listening that would think like, boy, that sounds like it just kind of fell into your lap. Um, and, and, and so how, how did you meet these people? And I guess, uh, yeah. How might you recommend someone else who is in a similar situation, yeah. loves agriculture, would love to be in farming, and it seems like a distant possibility to to get connected with people like that? Well, it is, and I, and I will agree that it's it, true. I, I did get very lucky, uh, and in that I, I met these people originally through our, through a our church, and and they and so we we knew them through that. I will say that those who say that um, it is it, it is difficult to find that 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 is true. But I, I also asked them, what are you doing to actually go find them? <laughs> you know, and so so what are you doing? If that's actually what you want to do, how are you developing yourself or developing a plan to make that happen? And so I have met, I mean, particularly last year and in previous, I, I've met with countless, I mean, 20, 30, 40 farmers for for lunch and or coffee and just grilled them, asked them questions with no intention other than to just learn about how what they do. How they do it, uh, and and just to get their insights, and so I, I I've got this huge bank of I, I hear how other people do it, uh, and now I can try to take the pieces from. And if people don't actually know that you're interested in that, that's an issue too. So um, it, it's challenging when you have another full time job, but you've got to continue to develop yourself or put yourself in a position where where you're learning about that industry. And t- tell us about the, the farming operation that you're a part of. So you are right now, you're yeah. an employee. There has been a conversation yeah. between you and the ownership that you would like to someday own a farm of your own. So I guess maybe for yeah. starters, just what kind of farm are we talking here? So so this farm is we're pretty different in the sense that there are actually two entities in this farm. And so uh, they're separate entities, both sole proprietorships. And so what, how, what we do is we share a labor equipment and overhead. And so uh, it, it's it's challenging in terms of accounting and, and sometimes we're, but but that's but it also saves a lot of money. And so in total, between the two operations, and they're split pretty evenly, we're about five, just over five thousand acres. And so within that, we do about two thousand acres of tomatoes, twelve hundred acres of sunflowers. Uh, we have 300 acres or plus of, of trees, almonds, walnuts, 
300 acres of processing bell peppers, and then a number of agronomic crops, barley, wheat, corn, beans, and so on. So, so we, and, and for, for in California, that that's, that's a pretty decent size operation. Um, but, but because we share a lot of that, we are able to have equipment that's pretty new and, um, and, and a good fleet, I mean, good management and so on. And how many employees total? Well, I mean, so we have permanent and then temporary employees, permanent employees, uh, we've got 15 to 20, um, and, and, and uh, temporary employees. I mean, it can, it can really balloon up. Like right now we start, we started planning, uh, processing tomatoes on Monday and, and they can balloon up to 50 plus people out there. So it, it's quite a, quite a, quite a number of people. Wow. So, and yeah. how does the situation work for you, if you if you don't mind us prying a little bit? So yeah. you, you come on, you're an employee. The idea is you're going to acquire equity over time, or how's that work? I would say that there, if if someone were serious about this, I would say that there are so many different ways of doing this. I, and I've I've talked to a lot of people and I've heard a lot of stories about how it's gone well and how it hasn't. And and so I can't tell you exactly the way it is. And I also say that it's not perfectly clear cut, even for me now, it, it's not. And so uh, in terms of being a part of this operation, uh, we're still dating. <laughs> we're still in the courtship phase and that and that we're still seeing if we can work together relationship wise, um, but also financially. Other people have brought more into operations. I did not bring much. Um, I didn't have a lot of assets. Other people sometimes bring like uh, a harvest, a custom harvesting business, uh, and they and they add something. I I didn't have much, so so I came on, and so so here's kind of a, a kind of a um, a skeleton of, of how that could work. So in a first year, uh, this is my first year. I'm just watching and learning and realizing how much I do not know, and 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 trying to learn as much as possible. Uh, in a second year, say is that you do something where you have like an in-house loan. So uh, the grower that you're working with um, loan gives you a production loan on, on 40 or 80 acres or, or whatever scale that might be. And, uh, and you, you pay that uh, loan back, probably no interest uh, to that person. And yet you still uh, lease out the equipment from them, labor, so on. But you're doing all the budgeting. Even now I'm doing all the budgeting, but I'm not involved. It's not my money per se. So you're doing all the budgeting and you're developing a history of being able to farm, of showing that you can make this work. In the third year, I mean, and, and, this, and the timeline could be different for everybody, but in the third year, fifth year, whatever it might be, you can, you can go to the bank and say, look, I've been, uh, and hopefully you already have some type of relationship with somebody at the bank saying, look, I'm, I'm here, I, this is what I wanna do. I'll be back <laughs> when I actually need something. So, uh, and so you you go to a bank and and you can potentially get a production loan of some sort, um, probably backed by a partner, uh, showing that and showing show them the records that you have. I can budget. I, I've been doing this, and and banks are looking for people who can do it. And so it's not a huge. It's not going to be a huge risk for them. Uh, particularly if someone signs off on it, obviously, um, but looking for young farmers to be able to to get into this. So that's that's one way that it could work. Uh, but again, it's not it's not perfectly clear in terms of the timeline or even the even the methods for doing that. So at this point, do you have a goal in mind of like, hey, this is when I am going to own an, enough of a farm to like produce my own income? Or is that not really the way you're looking at it? It's not the way I'm looking at it. I think if you were to ask me a few years ago, I would have. But I, I, I have kind of taken that off the table. I, I don't see 
I even, I mean, uh, one of the things people talk about is, as I want to have land. I, I don't say that at all. I, I don't think purchasing land is, is, is not recommended at this point by any means. I mean, it's, it's a little impossible. Uh, but, but in terms of putting concrete timelines on things, it's, I think it's dangerous, uh, because what I'm realizing is that there, it also puts pressure on the person you're working with. Yeah. And so it, it, it just, just sitting and watching and waiting and being patient, it's hard to be patient sometimes. Right. <laughs> so, so just, so just being there and saying, you know what, this is going to turn out okay. And if it doesn't, oh, well, at least you're enjoying uh, what you're doing. There's a really good quote. It says, the key to succeeding in farming is to realize that it is an operational business and not a financial opportunity. And so enjoy the operations. I mean, either way, but you're still a part of them. But if you look at it strictly as a financial opportunity, that that becomes very, very challenging uh, because it, you're going to have your heart broken quite a few times, I think. Yeah, I think that's so. true. You know, universally, you have to enjoy the process. And, and yeah. you know, same thing with me and starting um, my own business. It's like, boy, if I if if I was out to to get rich or think it was going to be a, yeah. a multi million dollar business in the first two years, I would be sorely yeah. disappointed. But instead, I really enjoy the process and and improving the process. And I, and and you and I were talking before we started recording, so I'll do this for the benefit of those listening. But about yeah. you know, you have to enjoy making daily investments in getting better and and that yeah. has to kind of be a little bit of an uh, you know an end in, uh, in and of itself that we're making these investments and we are having uh, confidence that they will pay off eventually and, and in your situation your daily effort has to come with a, a lot a lot of trust that that it is going to come back and, and what what got you to that trust level with with your current employer there's no doubt in trust in terms of just the operation but also that employer of, of knowing that employer that person you're working with has the best for you and your family. And I am so blessed to be able to say that I know that is true um, in, in my situation. Do we know it's all gonna work? No, we don't. I could list a hundred things that I feel like are, are reasons why it might not work. Um, but there are a few core things where I know that, gosh, this is a good situation. I am learning a ton. I, I am, I'm going about it in a, in a, with someone who has a lot of integrity. And I know that they're not going to just leave me out there hanging. And I know that they're not just going to use me in terms of throwing me on the tractor for, for the next 25, 30 years. Now, we'll do a lot of I'll try to do a lot of those types of jobs uh, to help out the farm. I mean, my sole goal right now is just to make their make my boss's lives easier and, and to make them um, more profitable and more sustainable and so on. So um, I have a I have a lot of trust in the people I work with and that. I, they have the best for me and, and the operation in mind and, and all the employees. I mean, we want to have happy employees for sure. And so, um, there's, there's a huge amount, you nailed it on the head, Tim, for sure. And do you think you found kind of like the, the one, uh, employer, the one person willing to do this or in all your talks with other farmers and being out and about and exploring these, do you think there are similar opportunities out there for others who might want to do what you're doing? I think there are, I can't tell you exactly what that looks like. I, I will tell you that, that we have people who want advice and how to do it. Like I said, both of the different partners here are first generation. There's one second generation uh, who I work with now who's great. And they all have different ways of going about this and uh, different ideas. Uh, and and those that person who's second generation has so many great ideas, uh, both in the operation and how to do the succession. So they all have different um, ways to get in this. Now, there are people... I, I, 
they, I think a lot of farmers do need something like this and they don't know it yet <laughs> or they know it, but they don't want to take the risk. Um, it's because they know they can do it on their own and it's challenging. And so for them to say, I'm going to hire somebody, I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but I have some, um, I, they have some skills and, and this is kind of the direction I needed to go. That's a really difficult hire for people. And I get that. And so it's a huge leap of faith on their, on their end. And they don't want to put people in a bad position. And, and so I don't think they're doing it out of malice. I think they're just doing it because they don't want to see it not work. Right. Uh, and, and that, and I mean, preventative, uh, preventing something not going well is, is no way to live. <laughs> and so you have to be more proactive, uh, than that, I believe. So I, I think that a lot of it relies on farmers, but also, I mean, like I, like we were talking about earlier, if you want to do this, tell a grower, tell a grower, tell a farmer, Hey, uh, do you mind if on the weekends I come and, uh, and, and just disc or do you mind if I just do fix something or, or just hang around? Um, because going from zero to 60 in terms of, uh, in terms of not being familiar with the operation to being in the operation doesn't usually work. Uh, and so get to know the operation, get to know the people and, and the relationship going into this has to be established. I, I don't think you're going to establish this. Uh, just just after you're hired, so so you have to get yourself around the operation. I, I know I've I'm sure you've heard as I have. There's articles and plenty of commentary out there about how it's just impossible for someone to get into farming these days with with the investment. Obviously, you're an independent thinker and you're 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 doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, what are your thoughts on that, or what's your response when when you hear people say? Uh, oh, I'd love to be in farming, but it's just impossible because I, I'm not going to inherit a farm. Yeah, it, it, I think it's hard, but it's not impossible. Um, and, and so it, it, I think it's very challenging. So I think we need you need to recalibrate what you see, what you eventually have if you have a farm. And so if you think you're going to have, uh, I mean, depending on the crops you're growing, either five to 40,000 acres um, and, and everything owned and, and, and all this equipment, then yeah, you need to recalibrate yourself and, 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 and be realistic about what that might look like. But, but it is possible. It is possible. And if you want to, one, one piece of advice I've gotten is that try to keep your day job as long as you can, um, while you're, while you're doing it on the side. Um, and, and that's true. And, and that, that's an important thing to, to keep in mind. And so, I, I think that uh, it is possible, but but it, but I always go back to a- asking people, what are you doing now to to make that more possible, <laughs> or or are you just talking about how it is impossible? Because uh, that doesn't get you anywhere. You know, what types of things should people be doing to to start? You've mentioned some of them. Yeah. So. One, I, I think that a lot of people just, they need to read <laughs> um, and they need to read, um, they need to understand basic, basic um, aspects of how operations work, right? So uh, basic um, accounting, uh, basic management structures. And, and one way to start, I, I believe, is just to start meeting with people who are doing it, uh, meeting with farmers and, and they'll, they will meet with you because they, they are it's almost like an endangered species. Those who are actually interested in what they're doing <laughs> and not just to sell them something, you know? Um, and so, and I would tell them, I'd say, I, I want to meet and I'm not selling anything to you. Um, I just want to hear about your operation. I want to hear how you got to where you are now. Uh, and so I want to hear about the, the challenges. If you were to do it differently, how would you do it? 
Um, where do you think we're headed? And so just just start meeting with people and talking to them. They'll find out that you're interested in something like this. And, and I believe something good might come or might not uh, come from that. But you're going to enjoy the conversation regardless. Um, and, and so that that's a great place to start, I believe. There's a, I will say that there's a lot of funding, um, government grants, and, and not just government, but funding for beginning farmers. I have not chosen to go that route as much, and I might in the future. I'm aware of it, um, but but that's something that that sometimes requires a little bit of follow up, and and I, and I still need to do a bit of research on that. But I know that it is a, a sometimes a really good opportunity for people. And so. As you think back to the books you read and the preparation you did, what yeah. what sticks out as the resources that have helped you the most? I mean, the leadership in 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 these type of books. I mean, uh, Collins. I mean, Good to Great or Built to Last. Those are obviously classic uh, books that you kind of start to realize, I mean, in terms of you start to envision, um, there's a book called traction, uh, that is out. That's, uh, that's good in terms of just start envisioning what you see and, and just thinking through things. I, I, I am not a fan of, of different, obviously phones and technology where I think it t- really takes away from people just stopping to think about it. I, I liked studying, uh, leaders and CEOs and, and different things. So I, you hear about these uh, Gates and Buffett and all these other people who are just who spend so much of their time of their day just stopping and thinking and and just without all the devices and all, everything around you, just just taking a half hour. And I and I try to discipline myself to be able to do that regularly every day. Uh, either most usually in the morning of just making lists of ideas and 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 just thinking about where I'm going. If I'm driving down the road, it's just quiet. Uh, just time to, what are some ideas? Even if they're crazy, it's okay. Um, but spending some time with just thinking about where you're headed. Cool. Actually, somebody just gave me the book Traction, a friend of mine, the other day. So I, I need uh-huh. to read it now that I have two two people yeah. in that I yeah. that I respect Fantastic. saying you need to read that book. Yeah. So yeah, and then Jim yeah. Collins, uh, obviously classics uh, there as well. well one thing yeah. that I have found in many cases is sometimes your greatest constraint, uh, or like in this case, you know, not not being from a, a, a commercial farm, uh, can can yeah. kind of turn into be a huge asset. So have you noticed that? Huge. I mean, are yep. there things that young new people people in agriculture can bring to an established farming operation? Yes, absolutely. I am a huge believer in that. And I think that's where sometimes you have, there's very few advantages of people who do not inherit a farm have over those who do inherit. <laughs> but that is what, that is one of them. I think that it's important, even those who do inherit farms, to get off the farm to be able to see different things. But you start to question, uh, one of my partners here, um, the, uh, who's my, about my age, says, question everything question why we do everything that we do. And so that is that is huge. Like, why why do we not pursue these markets? Why do we do certain things this way? That that's really that's really important, you know, and and so I mean, ask big questions like for us, like, uh, uh, why don't we have a why don't we have our own hauler? Or why don't we do our own spraying in our trees? Or uh, or something, and, and then try to run the numbers to see if it could work. What's your ROI? I mean, there are many other factors, uh, perhaps, uh, why we don't do things. And so, coming in with a different perspective is is hugely valuable. That being said, I still think that the number one things that you can do when you get in an operation is just to sit and listen. When we were overseas, we would sit, we would often joke that those who knew most about farming in Swaziland were those who were there the shortest amount of time. <laughs> and so um, and so that's the danger. And I even see myself even today getting into that is that I feel like I as I'm starting to get a grasp on something, I become overconfident too quickly. And so 
I step back and you have to have the awareness uh, some awareness to be able to do this step back and say i do not understand that yet even if i think i do there's many more factors that i don't realize and so i wanted to jump in and do a bunch of uh university university projects and being able to help out with that those those are great but sometimes they're really challenging logistically and so i at this point we're doing a few of them but i need to step back and i need to say hey, why don't we just see how it runs first and then how this fits into the system better next year? Or what information are we going to get from this besides just helping someone out? You need to be able to sit back, listen, and just ask questions uh, and be quiet. Nobody's ever complained about somebody who's listened. <laughs> so, um, Boy, that guy listens so, uh, too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, guy. So, yeah. Well, Tom, yeah. You, you are really an inspiration. I mean, I, I'm a huge believer that... If we want to say something is possible, like getting into farming for the first time, what we need are stories that prove it's possible. And, and you're out there living it right now. And I really appreciate you being on the show. I think this is going to inspire uh, a lot of people that either are in a cubicle wishing that they were farming and just thinking that it wasn't open to them or perhaps in college and looking at farming as a profession. And I think this message you're sharing that, hey, look, it, it is hard. There is not one specific path, but it is possible to do. And so I, I really appreciate appreciate you being on the show. I, I know you practice what you preach in terms of being present and you're not really on social media too much, but if somebody did want to reach out to you to learn more about how they can maybe do what you're doing, uh, what's the best way they could get in touch with you? Yeah, they could email me. I think that's probably the best. My email is uh, Tommy. Uh, there, it's not Tom, it's Tommy. Uh, <laughs> T-O-M-M-Y at tvfarming.com. So it's Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y at tvfarming.com. Hey, hope you enjoyed that interview with Tom Bottoms. Uh, I certainly did. I find him to be extremely inspiring and I think it's always good to get reminders of these stories when when things seem tough and to draw the distinction between tough and impossible because it is possible if you're committed enough to making it happen. So I really enjoyed that that interview. I, I hope you did too. Hey, I, I want to take a minute just to thank you. If you're a su subscriber to this show, I really appreciate it. I know your time and attention is precious and it's something I really don't take lightly if you're listening to the show week in and week out. You care so much about agriculture that you want to consume this content. I, I think it's cool. So, so thank you. Uh, if you're not subscribed, I encourage you to choose one of the many podcast players out there and find the show and subscribe there. If you can rate and review, that would be great too. Hey, I feel like I need a sign off to this show, like something to say at the very end to, you know, inspire action in the coming week. So if you have any good ideas on that, hit me up on Twitter at Tim Hamrich. We'll be back next week. For listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com, that's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.